0: Hello there friends, welcome to our new moon in Aries 3 exploration. My name is Spencer Michaud and we're going to be going on a little bit of a chat journey today looking at what we're going to be experiencing with the new moon in Aries 3, the third decan of Aries. Um, We are going to break down some things with the first quarter moon and preview the full moon a little bit. Uh, We will, of course, do an I Ching reading. If you are out there in virtual land, leave me a comment in the chat box to let me know that you're here to say hi and tell me where you're coming from. And if you have any questions, I'd be happy to to answer them for you as we go along here. Um, Happy to be with you again. It's always exciting to be able to interact with folks. Um, Keep in mind, I do have a 20-second delay from when I can see the chats and uh, when I will see your comment. Hello, Wendy, good morning from Seattle. Nice to see you, Wendy. I got a uh, an email from you that I am thinking about that I will respond to and I can respond to in this video if you want as well. Um, hello, tarya from Finland and Susanna from Finland. I love my Finland friends. I'm always excited uh, to hear uh, from my international friends, Erin is here. Erin, where are you coming from? She is a, a fellow, I believe, a fellow Nightlight Astrology alum. I always like seeing where people are coming coming from here. We've got people on the West Coast. We've got people on the Nordic Coast. Erin uh, is here. We'll probably have a few more people stopping by. We'll give people a few minutes to kind of uh, filter in. But this is a exciting new moon. I'm pretty, pretty excited about um, this new moon in particular. I think it's gonna be, uh, I think it's gonna be positive. I think that there's always pluses and minuses, ups and downs, and whatnot. But I feel like um, this is the one that's gonna help us kind of get a push to the next stage of our life that we've been anticipating for quite some time. So, what I would like to do is share this. Chart with all of you, and we'll take a look at what we're we're looking at here. And I'm, I'm appreciating all the comments on the videos that you all have been making lately. It is so cool to see everybody interacting with the content that I'm putting out there. Um, I've been doing a lot of research lately. This is one of the things that uh, <laughs> have been I've been grinding, but I'm starting to love the work. You know, I, I, there's a there is something about um, staying true to your own vision and to being accountable to yourself. And uh, I'm finding a lot of satisfaction in, in keeping my promises to myself right now and, and bringing these videos out. Even though it is a lot of work, it, it feels good to be able to do the research. And I, I, I've said before in the past that a lot of what I'm doing is trying to learn these concepts by holding myself accountable. So when I do a video like this, I'm researching from a number of different books i'm trying to consolidate all the information into something um, tangible that can be taught to people and uh it, it is it is a lot of different source that is trying to be sifted through but ultimately by doing it like this hopefully i'm, I'm creating fluency within myself but also sharing what i'm learning and having the information flow through me we have talked about that with thuban the the fixed star at seven degrees of virgo um, that I have Jupiter on, which it's all about taking in a lot of information, but making sure I'm giving it out and, and sharing it with the world. And Erin says she is from Iowa. Yes, a, fe- a fellow horary student. Uh, so we've got a Midwest crew here. We've got Finland. We've got the West Coast. I'm coming to you from uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan in the Mitten State. And um, let's get to it. Let's let's talk about this uh, this spring new moon that we have here. All right, so one thing that I wanted to address about this new moon is that we are looking at the third decan of Aries. And um, this is a part of the zodiac that has to do with creating uh, a following, using your charisma, using your charm, your ability to, um, you know, win over the hostile crowd is what austin Kopic talks about he he uh this is a a decan that is ruled by venus in the descending chaldean order and also jupiter in the triplicity system so two two benefics and we do see lots of themes of celebration in this decan we see themes of using your Oh, I don't know. You can almost call it your, your sex appeal to kind of get what you want. And that could take many different forms. Um, intelligence can be very sexy. So like it, it all depends on what your your particular gifts are. And um, so I think that we are getting in touch with whatever it is that we feel excited about, that we can share our enthusiasm with other people and get them Uh, over onto our side. Um, We've kind of, throughout this journey with the sun and Aries, we've been talking a lot about creating a sense of independence, creating a sense of your own territory that is separate from the parent country or the parent plant. Uh, We have you know, Through the second decan of Aries, we've tried to establish the, the new ground rules that we are going to be able to follow, even if they're ones that we're just going to be true to ourselves. And now in this third decan, we're celebrating the establishment of that independent authority. And we are celebrating, um, I don't know, kind of the, the reign of the new king. And even if the king is just your own personal sovereignty, okay, your ability to go- be self-governing, it's a celebration we see this in the four of, of wands here and in this four of wands and i'll just stop my share for just a second in this four of wands we see this celebration right we we have moved from this second or sorry this two of wands card where we were in the first deck in berries where we're surveying and we're saying what what area do we want to conquer next here we've established our territory we split from the parent plant in martial fashion, because this is a Mars ruled house. And now we're waiting to, for our ships to come back in. And then here in the fourth, uh, four, four of wands, the third decan, we, we see these wands here are in the arrangement of a, a hoopah, okay? C-H-U-P-P-A-H. A hoopah was a traditional, I believe Jewish like wedding structure. So we're seeing this. uh, There's a lot of themes in the Rider-Waite Tarot that that are associated with like the Kabbalah and things of that nature, and this is kind of a a temporary structure that is is celebratory. Okay, so we're having some kind of ceremony to consecrate the the new reign of the new king or the new queen, and um, it's almost like we're we're like, okay, we did it. Let's have a temporary party. (laughs) So this we may feel like throwing a party and saying, all right, uh, we've got this cool new thing that we're doing. Do you wanna get on board the train or, or what? Let's, let's party together. But it's not necessarily a lasting thing. We can't live in this space. It is t- temporary. So we have to kind of make hay while the sun is shining. Um, but this, this is an interesting decade. Uh, we are seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of things associated with, with Eros. Um, we'll talk about Mars here. Um, I wanted to address a question that I got in email recently from Wendy, who is here today. And Wendy says, this fellow Virgo appreciates your learning and sharing process. I am learning a lot from your approach. yeah, and and I'm I, I love sharing my process and I love sharing personal stories and things of that nature and my I, I consider my approach very experiential. So I really try to combine the theory and the the um, the research from the books that I'm doing and try to connect it with real life things that have been going on in my life. So hopefully that's been helpful. But Wendy sent me a question. Is it, and I'm, I'm, I think it's okay for me to share this question because I, I think it's something that we all uh, are thinking about sometimes with this, but she was asking about the daimon and the, uh, the, where are the sources that we're drawing upon for the daimon or the spirit of each decan? Because that's something I focus on a lot in my videos. And I'm finding a lot of value in this kind of animating spirit that we are looking at for each particular deck. And it really makes, makes us, uh, you know, it really gives us a lot to draw upon from the myth itself. And I wanted to show you this, maybe this little, hopefully, I'm going to show you a document that I have that I can share eventually. Maybe I could share it in the chat box after, afterwards. Uh, and, uh, here we have, uh, Brenda is joining us. Hello, Brenda. Uh, (laughs) love me some four of wands. She says, I'm happy to have you here. So I'm going to show you, and this, again, this question was, was brought up to my attention from Wendy, who is a very, um, astute student as well of, of all of these things. And this is a printout I have of an astrological fragment. Okay. Which was called 36 heirs of the Zodiac. So this is a Hellenistic fragmentary text that talks about the different houses, the different rulers of the houses, and these, these, these spirits of the houses. So they had a table here where they would list a, a spirit for each 10-degree uh, section of a house. Okay, And I first learned about this from Austin Coppock's book, 36 Faces. So that's my, that was my first exposure to this concept. So what I've been doing is I've been going to this this document, 36 Errors of the Zodiac, and looking at Austin Coppock's book. But then uh, I'm going to a site called uh, theoi.com. I'll put it in the chat box here, www.theoi.com. Okay. And at theoi.com, it is basically a... Um, a resource for classical mythology, for classical Greek mythology. It's an amazing archive, and you know they have a lot of uh, a compendium of source texts for all of these different um, major Olympian gods, minor deities, daimons, and a lot of the times they will have excerpts from things like Hesiod, from Apollodorus, from all of these different. Um, mythological poets from the greek tradition talking about these daimons so it is uh that is really where i'm getting a lot of my um impetus for for the things that i put into my videos um i have just recently uh made another big book order because i'm really being inspired by the mythology i've talked on this channel before and I will make sure that I get back to the new moon stuff here, but I thought this was important. I wanted to talk about this today too. Uh, I have been um, really diving into myth and just, you know, really recognizing the value in that, especially because I've been reading this book by Liz Green, Astrology of Fate. And I've talked about this in my uh, Mars video recently. But this book right here is, is really drawing upon myth to describe the signs and the planets and and astrology in general. But this book was written in 1984. And uh, she is anticipating a lot of the Hellenistic revival techniques that we are using now in classes like Nightlight Astrology and with Project Hindsight and with Chris Brennan's work and Ben Dykes and Demetra George. Liz Green was anticipating a lot of those techniques just from having a really solid understanding of myth and I'm finding the more fluent I get in the myths themselves, um, the more depth I'm able, able to bring to some of these videos for you and my understanding of astrology and, and things of that nature. So what I did recently, and I'll, I'll, would you all like to see kind of like book show and tell? <laughs> because I got a big stack behind me here. Um, and I'll narrate this for those who, are, who will be listening later um, on the uh, audio only. But um, here is, these are the Loeb Classical series. And these are really tiny little books that are hardcover, uh, but they have both the Greek and the Latin translations of specific stuff and the the English translation. So they have the Greek and the English side-by-side or the Latin and the English side-by-side, depending what you're looking at. And um, this is Ovid's Metamorphosis, which kept coming up on Theoi. Dot com over and over again as a source so i was like i should just buy it and the, the only issue i have with these books i love them but they're a little bit expensive they're they're like 28 bucks a piece and it's endless how many you can buy uh but they're a little bit small look at my hands here my i mean i have fairly decent sized hands but these are really small books okay <laughs> these are and the text in them is like it's so tidy. <laughs> so like, what if I'm like, if it's, if it's eight or nine at night and it's dark and I'm tired, it's so easy for me to fall asleep reading these books because the text is so tiny. And it's like, can I, can I read this or not? But anyway, I, what I've done, what I'm doing with those is I'm making an investment in the future where I have studied Latin and Greek and I'm able to translate those uh, on my own. So that's my reasoning for choosing these is that I want to be able to read the Latin and the Greek eventually. So this is Apollodorus. It's an, he's another um, poet that compiled a lot of uh, a lot of stories. There's a lot of uh, stories of like Prometheus within this. Um, it's really helping me understand like the way that uh, what's his name, Richard Tarnas thought about the outer planets, Pluto, Uranus, and Neptune. Cause he really leaned on the story of Prometheus for Uranus in particular. We've got Hesiod's Theogeny. This is a really great book. Um, this is one that is, I would highly recommend because there's a lot of um, really fundamental stuff that Hesiod draws upon here. So that's a couple books. I'll show you a few more because I'm very excited about them. Now, speaking of Hesiod, um, one of the criticisms of Hesiod uh yeah tarja says i have valens anthologies in very tiny print yeah i know i've got the the mark um what's his name mark something's translation i have that printed out and it's the text is real tiny in that too uh bp is here hello how are you doing bp um nice to see you thank for jo- thank you for joining us we're talking about hesiod and all in this this you know this book order I just made one of the significations of 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 Venus and Aries that I've been seeing recently is that Venus and Aries spends like a drunken sailor to deal with her her exile with her disappointment being in the house of Mars and I've uh, done that with books lately but hopefully uh, my rationalization for that is that hopefully this will give me knowledge that I can then share with people so I, I consider it an investment in my work and I consider it an investment in the type of um, legacy creation that I hope to do with this channel and with my work in general. I, what I, w- one of the goals for my work is I would like to be somebody who helps to keep these stories alive and share them with an, the next generations and help to bring clarity to the astrology based on what maybe an ancient astrologer may have taken for granted because those stories were just so ingrained in their, co- in their, in their culture. Um, so that's something to, to consider. And that's really what drives and what motivates my work on a lot of levels. Um, this book is really interesting. And I wanted to show you this after Hesiod. This is a book called Lost Goddesses of Early Greece, a collection of pre-Hellenic myths by Charlene Spretnik. And uh, this this came up... When I was researching more um, feminist approaches to some of the Persephone myths and it was suggested to me by my partner who was saying that that perhaps before we had a maybe a patriarchal poet okay re re reimagining some of these myths we had these traditions with these more feminine perspectives with these goddess myths and perhaps Persephone wasn't kidnapped Perhaps she she chose to leave her mother and was feeling called to the underworld. Um, remember, Persephone was the Daimon or spirit associated with the second decan of Aries. So, so we've been talking about that a lot lately. And and this is a book that, from I believe, the late '70s, that reimagines a lot of these myths based on some of the research that Charlene, excuse me, did based on um uh potentially this more feminized perspective that may have predated some of these Greek cultures and uh, you know where we venerated the goddess, where it wasn't like this second you know second like rape slave or someone who was abducted or raped all the time. They were They were really powerful beings. And I think that that's something that we're really trying to bring back into our astrology, into our culture. Um, I think bringing the sacred feminine back into our understanding of these myths in general is really important, because I think a lot of the challenges we have in society right now is because we've been leaning so heavily on this patriarchal approach. Now, that being said, I always preach balance, 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 equilibrium, homeostasis. Remember, nature is trying to bring itself into a point of balance, uh, and it is self-correcting so we've gotten to this extreme ag- aggressive masculine phallic type of culture and now we have to to bring something back to balance it back out doesn't mean that we make masculinity wrong or we make the, you know whatever we're doing wrong but we have to bring this perspective back to the table and understand that these stories change over time based on whichever culture is you know telling them so it, it, i think that's a it's that is helpful. This, this book is a, it's a very small little book. There's only a few myths. It's mostly the myths of the goddesses. They have um, Gaia, Pandora, Themis, Aphrodite, the moon triad, Artemis, Selene, and Hecate, Hera, Athena, and then the Demeter and Persephone myths. But really nice little gem that I have here. Another book that I'm really excited about. This is, uh, this is called Hermes Guide of Souls by Carl Karinyi. Karinyi Karinyi. He's German, and uh, he also has a book that is still coming in the mail that is called The Gods of of Greece or something like that, and really excited about this because he's consolidating a lot of the Mercury or Hermes myths and really diving deep into that. It's another kind of small book, but um, he has a lot of great work, uh, one on Hermes, one on Athena, and I'm really looking forward to diving into this because Hermes is one of the ones that is always... You know, he's a trickster he's a he's he's got a lot of different stories associated with him and and finding a, a deeper understanding of, of Hermes and what his role is in astrology I think is is important so that's another one uh, violet is here from Holland hello hello from uh, from Holland so hopefully everything's going okay over there um, yeah Wendy says that that Carl also has a book on Dionysus and and I yeah I've been looking at that too I've, I've Been enjoying his work so much, I'm like, I need to get everything he's done, but I just just spent like 300 bucks, so I need to like slow my roll a little bit. This book I'm excited about too. This is called The Heavenly Writing uh, by Francesca Rochberg. Rochberg, I think that's how you say it. Rochberg. And this is divination horoscop- horoscopy and astronomy in Mesopotamian culture. So this is going back before the Greek culture and getting uh, myself hip on the myths of like Inanna and Ereshkigal, uh, things like Nergal and things like that. Uh, th- that's been coming up in, in Liz Green's book. Um, so I think this also talks a lot about some of the synodic cycles. So I'm, I'm excited about this as well. This is a, pr- probably a pre-Hellenistic Greek thing. But the Greeks in the Hellenistic times drew very heavily on both Sumerian, uh, Babylonian, and Egyptian mythology and culture as well. So understanding the root of where the Greeks were drawing upon can help us to bring some, uh, some enlightenment there. The last one that I'll show you, the last series that I'll show you here, is a is an author that I'm really really into right now. Her name is T. Susan Chang, and she is an expert in tarot. So I bought. Every book that she's put out, 36 Secrets is, is really, I think, the best book to understand the Deccans if you are unable to get Austin Kopic's book, 36 Faces, which most people aren't if they don't want to spend a $1,000 in the secondhand market right now. She does a really nice job of approaching the Deccans through a tarot perspective rather than through an astrology perspective. But there is astrology in here, and I, I would highly recommend this book. And then she has her kind of approaches with tarot correspondences and tarot deciphered. T. Susan Chang. I've been enjoying listening to her on her podcast, The Fortune's Wheelhouse, and her appearance recently on the Astrology Podcast by uh, Chris Brennan. So they had a really nice talk. I think that her approach is very similar to mine. Um, Even to the point of this book, this uh, tarot correspondences book was written in 2018, and uh, I, around that period of time, I wrote an article on the Deccans. I did not know who T. Susan Chang was at that time. And I made a, 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 a table uh, or like a, you know, like a, a Deccan table that I put in that article. And it looks almost exactly the same as an, a Deccan article that's in T. Susan Chang's book in her tarot correspondence's book. And I was like, Oh, we're, we're on the wavelength. You know, she's got a lot of Virgo stuff. So it doesn't surprise me that, Uh, we would both want to be organizing information in that very uh, easy to digest way. But she's got a really nice organized approach. Um, She is very good at making these decanic things very practical, uh, gives you stuff you can do and like everyday approach to the tarot. Highly recommend her work. Um, I hope to learn more from her in the future. All right, so that's my book sharing thing. I also have one other book I would recommend that has not come. It's the one I'm looking forward to the most and it's called the i believe it's called Greek myths by Robert Graves. This is Robert Graves is the one who brought all the different myths together and com, did comparative mythology where he 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 looked at all the different sources and really tried to get to an essential nature of the of the myth itself from all these different sources. So I'm really looking forward to that book but it's not going to be here for a few weeks. So we'll see. Okay. Um, let me look through the chat here. Thank you all for leaving me comments. I love this. All right. So we've got, um, Brenda says Susie is the bomb. Austin is coming out with a second edition I hear. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he, he has been saying that he has a second edition of 36 faces coming out. So I, 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 hopefully it'll be coming out soon. Cause I think more people should have access to that work. Cause it's a book that I use every single day. I was fortunate enough to be able to purchase it at the very end of its supply, and um, I read it every day. Uh, it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful work, and he is a genius, and I love his approach and his writing style. He's has such an amazing vocabulary. Uh, I want to be him when I grow up, <laughs> right? So, so we'll see. But... Um, Actually, the funny thing is, is I most of these people, I'm the same age as I'm about the same age as Austin, and I'm actually older than Chris Brennan, and uh, older than (laughs) Achu Tabba. So, like, uh, yeah, it's funny. I um, I feel young. I feel like a young person, but uh, maybe it's just my spirit that's keeping me young. All right, I think that's enough book sharing here. Uh, I do love to share my sources. I think it's really important uh, because. I, I appreciate it when people share their sources with me because I'm not satisfied with hearing something completely secondhand. I do think contextualizing something is important, but if what I expect from my teachers is for them to spark my interest so that I can go back and do some of that research myself. And I hope that I can be that for you, that I can spark your interest in things like the daimon so that you can take it further and find meaning for yourself. Uh, that, that is always, I think, a really great approach is to be inspired by your teachers and then take the next step and take the next step. OK, things like that. One book to keep your eye out for, too, is Demetra George's second volume of her astrology, ancient astrology and theory and practice should be coming out fairly soon as well. I know that Chris Brennan has a editorial copy that he's working on. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That is my number one book as far as um, the first edition. Is the book I recommend the most for learning ancient astrology. That, that's one that my go to. If you get that and Chris Brennan's book, and then maybe, oh, some Ben Dyke's books, he's got so many books. Um, but if you get like the the Heavenly Spears book by um, Luis Ribeiro and, and Helena Avalar, that's another good one to learn this stuff. She recently passed away. Uh, so my condolences for her, and um, she was doing a lot of great work. Uh, Lisa asks, Have I studied with Austin at all? Not not formally. Um, I have attended some of his talks. I attended his his Deccan talk in person at, at the United Astrology Conference in 2018. I did talk to him in the lobby of the hotel for quite some time and spent some time with him at UAC. So that was cool. I actually have the first book that he ever touched of his the celestial art. So he signed the celestial art book and wrote number one. So I have like the, I guess the first copy that Austin Kopic has touched of the celestial art. My copy of 36 faces is, is signed as well. Um, I have also attended some of his workshops, one of which on the fixed stars that I found very valuable, um, but I have, not, uh, I have not done his classes yet. Um, I was in the middle of Achuta's classes when he was releasing some of his, his classes, but that might be something I might consider in, in the future. Um, But we'll see. I think that uh, I'm getting to the point now where I'm the source texts are I've got enough background that I think that I can mostly figure it out from reading the books themselves, although I will never close myself off to someone's perspective that could help me find things easier or spark interest. So I don't know. We'll see. But he's a great teacher, and he's a a, a very knowledgeable, smart person, and he's a as a wizard. I really, I really enjoy his approach. Uh, Taria says, "I love your short source sharing. Keep doing that." Uh, yes, I will. Keep. I'm never gonna stop buying books, so you know you're probably gonna see, uh, you're probably gonna see some sources on this channel, um, but it's endless. I, I have more books than I can absorb at this point. I think in a lifetime. But I think that I love having things to look forward to. Um, My approach tends to be sort of a Gemini type of approach. I I don't always read things cover to cover unless there's something like Demetra George's book. I've read that one cover to cover. I'm reading The Astrology of Fate cover to cover. But what I tend to do is I tend to to try to find a specific topic in these books and pull that topic from, from a number of sources. So if I'm studying Eros, for example, the daimon of Aries 3 I'm going to go to Hesiod and I'm going to read his, his little excerpt. I'm going to go to the, if you want to know my method, I'll go to the appendix or the index and I'll say, where is Eros? And I'll read his uh, treatment. I will go to Apollodorus and look to read his treatment. I'll go to the OI and read their treatment. I'll, eventually I'll read Robert Graves' version and see if through all of these different sources, then I can then consolidate into the, something essential, That i can share on my videos and and that it will help me to use that in my astrological practice i also have a a, something i highly recommend for all of you i found this by accident but there's a show on amazon prime right now called the great greek myths and they're little half hour shows that are animated and they combine this really cool almost like shadow puppet animation with uh classical art and they tell these stories and one, I, I watched the Psyche and Eros story before I did my video to really get a visual because I tend to be a visual learner. So they have like basic uh, Greek myths, like the you know the myths of the sun, the myths of Zeus, creation stories. Then they have a whole series on a whole season on the Iliad and a whole season on the Odyssey. So that's a really great way if you want to get get little chunks of that. Um, it's on Amazon prime if you if you have that service, I know that ever that's another service to get, but <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many things that they're trying to do with subscription models, but like I said, that was a little hidden gem that I would recommend um, because it really does bring a visual to the things that I'm reading and it helps me understand them better. So let's get back to this new moon. Any other questions about what I've shared with source text so far? and Wendy, did I, did I answer your question enough with the um, with the diamonds and my sources with that? Because I was trying to kind of kill two birds with one stone here. Uh, Lisa says, same thing with all fields of study, but astrology is so 12th house. I wonder if astrology brings more of that out. Yeah, astrology, I would say that astrology can be thought of as multiple houses. I would say in the tradition, astrology astrologers were more considered maybe the ninth and the third house uh divination itself was ninth and third house but but having a 12th house sun and mercury i think that you can draw upon just almost like a like jung's collective unconscious from the 12th house i i I have found that you know i kind of know stuff you know like but it's a different it's a different vibe i think i think the 12th house um the, it's, the 12th house wisdom is the experiences that you gain from hardship, I think. And I would say that the 12th house has informed my astrological practice by bringing me situations that are very steeped in some of the difficult parts of the myth. And I, will, I find a lot of comfort in being able to understand the myth and know that there is a turnaround. And what did the what did the figure in the myth do to overcome this challenge? Like, uh, what did oh, I don't know? How did how did Psyche, es- you know, escape the underworld? You know, how did or her deep sleep? How did Eros become partnered again with Psyche over time? Like, what what kind of things do I need to avoid with like the myth of of Pandora and her box or Psyche and the box that she? Uh, shouldn't have opened that she was given from from uh, Persephone, so I think that it's a it, it it is a way to help take responsibility for some of those things as well. I saw a really great little excerpt from Kelly Surtes recently, um, where she talks about the twelfth house and it being the joy of Saturn and and the the necessity of really owning the energy in that house and taking responsibility and enduring um, some of the things that may come up. She was talking about finances as the second house ruler being in the 12th for her chart i also happen to have the second house ruler of my chart in this 12th house and i've had to grow grow up i guess a lot and take responsibility for my finances after really neglecting them in my youth so i i think that the same thing with my body i've had to take care of my body with my first house ruler in the 12th have had to really pay attention to what goes in and what and what will come out and like taking care of and walking and eating properly and sleeping and all of those things. Okay. All right. So I I, I think I took care of Wendy's question. Yes, thank you, uh, Lisa. Uh, you always have great questions. Thank you for bringing that up too. I think that there's many different approaches of finding astrology in the chart. So uh, I don't think that your twelfth house uh, approach is necessarily off. I think that there's definitely truth to that. Um, I would also highly recommend, though, that taking a look specifically at the ninth and third houses for, for divination specifically as well. Okay, let's talk about this new moon again. Y'all still with me? Did, I, didn't, I didn't drive everyone away. <laughs> that was actually what I did know about the new moon here with my, my book sharing. <laughs> like, Let's talk about this new moon. This new moon is going to be happening on April the 11th, Sunday, Uh, 10 30 pm eastern daylight time Uh, adjust appropriately for your time zone some of us will experience it on april the 12th some of it will experience it a little bit earlier Um, this is a new moon that is going to be conjoining venus and mercury having the same you know are all in the same sign so we've got venus here mercury here We've got a really tight sextile to Mars and Gemini. We also have a really tight sextile for the most part within three degrees to Jupiter in Aquarius. And we can consider Saturn part of the mix too by whole sign. Um, The other thing that's happening is we have a square between Venus and Pluto during the full moon. So I think that there are multiple things that we can break down with those energies. So first of all, what are we trying to establish in the third decan of Aries? Again, we're celebrating our autonomy. We're trying to gain a following using our charisma, using our sense of humor, using our enthusiasm to gain people, uh, to to basically get people to move to our new country. Think about it like this. Think about you have, you're an explorer. And you have found this new, wonderful land, and you've set up a government, you've set up an organized system in the second decade, and now it's like you're, you're, you're sending word back to the motherland and say, I found this great place, you should come live here. I know that there's certain uh, areas in some more rural areas of the United States in the Northeast where there's an aging population, and they were offering like, oh, I don't know, like $10,000 to relocate to upstate New York or Vermont or some, something of that nature. And I think of it like that, where we're really trying to like convince people that to, to come over to our perspective and to, to to gain followers. And I think that we're at the stage of this Aries journey where we don't have to fight people anymore. We don't have to like re, you know reject you know that which isn't part of our path. Um, we don't have to like make somebody wrong. I think we can say this is what is good. You know, here is why you should come along for the ride. That being said, you will save yourself an enormous amount of frustration and um, challenge if you use your enthusiasm, but you don't insist that people come over to your new country or to your new county or your your new area. You can say this is what's great about it. You can get on the train, or you can go off and do what you whatever you want, right? If you say if you get into this thing where you're like, if you don't come to my new country, I'm gonna be so upset, and I'm going to war with your country. That's when you can run into problems, I think, with this new moon. Okay, so I think it's a lot about just sharing what's good, having optimism, right, being very optimistic about what you want to create, and then allowing other people to be optimistic about what they're doing without looking over your shoulder all the time. One of the things that uh, we could potentially be doing is I really think we need to keep an eye on this this, uh, Venus-Pluto square that's happening around the same time. This could be where we are trying to manipulate people to come to our new established territory, where the methods that we're using to try to win over people may be a little bit nefarious. Um, a lot of the the Venus uh, Pluto square type of stuff talks about trying to dominate people. The, the dark side of the longing that arrows creates, right? Where we're trying to shoot people with arrows, but but you know for our own selfish gain, right? And and we're trying to seduce through trickery and through manipulation rather than just through our integrity. So I, I think that that's that is the one. Thing that i think it's important to be careful of with this new moon otherwise it's pretty much all systems go right with these sextiles with mars with the sextiles with jupiter and and this and saturn um we are going to be heading into a little bit more of a challenging time frame once we all the planets start moving into taurus uh, you can think of this as the, se- the seminal seed moment and then once the planets start ingressing into Taurus, there's going to be some challenges associated with bringing it into form. And how does that fit in with your longer-term vision? Because all of the planets, Venus, Saturn, I'm sorry, Venus, uh, Mercury, and the Sun are all going to start squaring Saturn and Jupiter rather than being in a sextile with it. So expect some some friction as we move into late, late April and early May that will, you know, that, but it might be, friction that that causes you to to be heroic to bring these things into manifestation the other thing i wanted to warn you with about this new moon in particular is that both venus and mercury are still under the beams of the sun they are still in the lying hidden phase which means that even if we're putting a lot of energy into our our new start it probably isn't going to be we're not going to see the visible tangible results of it until those planets start to emerge from under the beams. Um, I believe, and we can look at this here, but I know that Venus emerges from under the beams on the 22nd of May. I think Mercury emerges from the beams around uh, the 3rd of May, but let's take a look real quick here. Okay. And you can find that, oops, you can find that by, taking a look at when those planets are going to be within uh, outside of a 15 degree arc of separation. So first on April the 18th or so, there's the Kazemi with Mercury. And then as we move forward, Mercury separates. We've got all this stuff at in late April that is going to be squaring the Aquarius planets. Also around that time period, Mars is moving into its, um, its fall in Cancer which could bring some challenges, maybe in the domestic sphere, as we are trying to, to do something maybe out in the world. And then eventually here we see as we get closer to May, first Mercury is going to separate right here. There, I was, yeah, I was right. Right around May the second or third, we've got the separation of about 15 degrees of Mercury, making its its evening rise. So this is where Mercury is on the the left of center, okay, which is Mercury becomes the evening star. So we'll get messages about what we're trying to do around this period of time. Um, We will also see uh, Venus rising from under the beams on May the 22nd. So you see that here, we're at about 17 degrees of Gemini. Again, I've been saying this this is happening right on my natal Venus in the 11th house. So if you've been waiting for Webinars, classes, and things like that for me, and more group participation stuff. I, I'm that's that's a target that I'm shooting for right now, while I'm creating behind the scenes. So keep your eyes peeled for that if you want to learn more um, on what I'm doing here. But let's go back, and we are we still have to deal with this lunar cycle before all that happens. So this lunar cycle still could be a, a time of really creating behind the scenes, especially with those two planets like that. Now, one of the things that we have to be aware of with this new moon is what is Mars trying to do? Because Mars is the host of this uh, lunation. And we always want to know what the host is providing for the planets that are trying to manifest. So Mars is in the third decan of Gemini right now. And this decan is associated with the, the 10 of Swords. And, and if you want to really get a deep dive on the Ten of Swords and Mars and the Ten of Swords, I just did a video on this a few days ago. Check that out. Um, I think it was a really good, uh, a really good exploration of everything, everything Gemini and everything Mars and Gemini. But here's the, the, the five-minute version, maybe even less than that. This is a time where you need to choose. Uh, Mars is asking us to make a choice. Uh, it is asking us to let something go so that we can give life to something else. In the story of the twins, uh, one of the twins is slain, and the other one is immortal and has to give up some of his immortality so that the other can live again. So I think that what we're gonna be experiencing at this new moon in particular is the way that you're gonna establish yourself and your new territory and gain followers is that you aren't going to be able to please everyone. You're not going to be able to do everything at once you're going to have to make a choice consciously to let go of some of your imagined pathways so that you can pour your energy into the thing that is most important to you. That, that's key. We, we really are wanting to, uh, you know, we really want to give life to something right now. I know I feel it. I'm feeling like I want to give life to, to more teaching opportunities. I want to give life to my knowledge of, of mythology and astrology Um, you know, this has been a whole new journey for me, like completely changing from a professional musician to a professional astrologer slash teacher. And, um, it's been a two or three year process and I'm getting really close to like completely doing astrology for a living. I, I I do very little professional music stuff anymore. Um, part of that's because of the pandemic. Part of that is just because this is what is I'm really passionate about right now. And that is something that's important to me that I've had to learn to let go of some of the other things for the time being. Doesn't mean I can't circle back to it at, at some other point in my life. I probably will. But I know for me to get this, uh, this I don't know, master's degree, I've considered it in, in astrology and mythology, I've had to really focus my energy on that. And I think that everyone needs to do that to a certain degree right now especially in the Gemini area of your chart, it's very important for you to, to, to choose consciously because one of the significations with Mars in the third decan of Gemini is that uh, this, this card has to do with like ruin or collapse. And if you do not make a choice consciously, something in your life will will no longer be able to be supported. And it may feel more painful than it had to be if you, uh, you know, if you didn't choose it, do you see what I'm saying? A lot of the times we will experience that as fate, as something happening to us that is negative, rather than if we consciously own that choice and and recognize in our life that we are overextended and that we cannot possibly keep all those plates spinning all at once. So. Tell me in the chat box what what is ain't, have you been feeling this energy? Like there's a there's something in your life that where you've had to make a choice. Are you feeling the? Uh, are you willing to, to to have the courage? This is really what Mars asks us. A really enlightened Mars is all about having the courage to to separate or to take action on something. So I, I'm asking you in, to have the courage to make a choice to become decisive and say, this is what I want. And I have to let this other thing go. Okay. That's, I think that's really the key the really the fundamental key with this new moon is we've got to, we've got to let go to be able to bring something to nurture it to fruition. All right. A couple other things. I did some cursory research on some fixed stars with this. There is one fixed star that is not very bright. Um, It is not something that there's a lot of astrological literature on, but I thought it was interesting. It is called Beton Kytos at 22 degrees of Aries. And this is a fixed star in Cetus, the the whale. This was in the literature that I found this in, in Liz Hazel's little book of fixed stars. She talks about it being the belly of the whale. So, you know, we've got a, a new moon in the belly of the whale. Um, which she describes as having significations with accidents, bad luck, shipwrecks, and rescues. But but here's where this all gets tied back together. Facing hard choices and taking responsibility. And what have I just been saying with Mars in the third decade of Gemini? This is where we may have a difficult choice. And we may not want to let go of the imagined pathways. One of the things that Gemini does is it allows us to explore a proliferation of pathways. I've talked about in other videos where Mercury's job in Gemini is to, to proliferate new paths. Its its energy in the sign of Virgo is, is pairing those options down to, to consolidate as well. It almost has a martial energy in in, in Virgo. I think it is discriminating and saying this stays, this goes. Whereas in Gemini, it's like, all right, let's explode our options and pollinate as many things as possible. But again, it isn't a permanent energy. It is a mutable sign about change. That's the thing that people mistake when they they don't go go deeper in depth with Gemini. It is a transitionary process. When you have Mercury, a planet of the borderlands, we are thinking about a journey. We are thinking about traveling to a new land. So, the, the journey of Gemini is exploring your options so that eventually you can make a choice and give birth to something in the sign of, of Cancer at the, at the summer solstice, right? And that you will then nurture that and bring it to, to fruit, the fruit stage. To, you'll bring it to term. You will give birth to something. That's the role, to, in my estimation, of the Gemini timeframe is exploration that eventually leads to a choice, okay? It's not about just continually just doing whatever you want all the time. And I'm speaking from experience because I have Venus in Gemini and I've always wanted to like, oh, I got to explore everything all the time and keep all my options open. That's just not, that's not how life works. Sometimes I've just learned that you can't do everything all the time. You can do a lot of things, but you just have to be present in the moment when you're doing what you're doing. And you've got to focus on that one thing. And then if you bring that to completion and you want to move on to something else, totally okay. I've done that multiple times in my life. I've I've taken something to the, the most logical completion or conclusion or extreme. And then I moved on to something else that was inspiring me. Remember, the sun, when it reaches the summer solstice, changes direction. It is a solar sacrifice where the day starts to become shorter again, where the night starts to gain power so that is one of the things that i think explains gemini's fickleness is that sometimes when they get what they want then they're like okay now it's time to switch gears <laughs> you know like in that and that can be frustrating for everyone else it's not necessarily frustrating for the gemini person it may or maybe my mom's a gemini and she did this a lot she, she this is where i get this energy she would get 10 books from the library. This is, this is why I have stacks and stacks of books around me. She would get 10 books from the library, read them in a week, then get another stack of 10 books. And her interest changed a lot, but she would, she would really dive in passionately to that one topic and be focusing on it at that moment. And then she would move on to something else. And eventually that all becomes integrative. What I found by doing that is I'm able, if I get really passionate about Daimon, if I get really passionate about tarot, I will learn those things and eventually I, I, it, they become a part of me so that I can draw upon them in this beautiful cancerian memory that is very sticky at various times and they become my instincts. That's why I study like this so that these become instincts, but it comes through practice. It comes through uh, you know, engaging as, with it as a daily practice. All right, we have some comments coming in, in the chat box. Lisa says, when you get swallowed up by a whale and spit it spit back out where the universe decides, that is the result of not heeding the inner voice, the story of Jonah in the Bible. Yes, I agree 100%, right? So I, I, I think that this new moon on uh, Beten-Kaitos speaks to, are you going to get swallowed up by this proliferation of options by not consciously making a choice, right? Like Lisa is talking about. Or are you going to consciously work through your issue and your shadow, integrate your shadow energy? This is another thing that Liz Green talks about that I love is integrating the shadow energy so that it is not projected outside of you as some kind of nemesis to overcome. This is something that she talks about with Gemini as well is it's not just this internal Existential crisis all the time, although it can manifest as that. Remember, Gemini was on the twelfth house cusp in the Thema Mundi, the metaphorical natal chart of the world. Cancer being on the ascendant, so you can think of maybe there is some self undoing themes with Gemini for sure. But uh, when we think about uh, Gemini, she points out Liz Green that a lot of the times a Gemini focused person will manifest some kind of uh external person that represents either their anima or their animus or their shadow or their light they will either take on the role of the bad twin and then you'll project all their goodness onto someone else or they will project someone else their, their own shadow on someone else right where they are uh basically saying this person is evil and i'm not going to own this thing that is uh that i maybe am feeling torn internally i've seen this a lot with some of the gemini people in my life I've, I've had a lot of gemini people i've had gemini friends i've had gemini enemies and i experienced the projection of shadow of the gemini shadow energy and i've i've caught myself doing it as well with my gemini venus so I know I have, I have to own that tendency, too, of not projecting my shadow outside onto something external. And then I will experience that less as fate, and I will have more agency. This is what she talks about, the astrology of fate. When you own that, it is much less likely that you are going to experience it as something that happens to you. That's where we bring back the, the paranoia, the foreknowledge, the agency. All right, we have Susanna is making comments. She says, sometimes it's easy to make choices because the right choice, quote unquote, is obvious. Mostly it's really hard to choose and see what the what is the right path. At least I feel like that I have Saturn and Gemini. Correct. Yes, you right. You may know what the right choice is, but making the choice can be difficult too, right? Um, and with Saturn and Gemini, oh boy, it's almost like you are forced to make choices. It's like you don't have a choice, but to make choices and to deal with that type of energy where you are having to pare something down eventually after exploring. It's like you're, you're doomed to explore and then consolidate it down into something that you want to put energy into. Susanna says, my lot of spirit or a lot of diamond is in the third decan of Gemini as well. Yeah, so is mine. Right, my, my lot of spirit uh, is in at 21 degrees Gemini. Oh, actually, no, sorry. My lot of fortune is at 21 degrees Gemini. Uh, so she has the lot of spirit, the one that the solar, uh, lot, and I have the lunar lot at that point. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely some themes like that that come up in, in our lives. I believe my lot of spirit is in the third decan of Libra in the third house. So you hear me preach about balance all the time? Well, I think you can blame my dime on my lot of spirit, because I think it's just one of the animating principles that I, you know, live my life according to. Okay. Um, Violet says, "Don't worry, you're doing great. Thank you, Violet. I appreciate your uh, your encouragement, enthusiasm. I always always love positive feedback, and sometimes it is. I'm trying to figure out how to make everything accessible to everyone here. Wendy says, I'm sorry that I have to jump off for a client call. I will listen to the rest on replay. Thank you again, Spencer, for doing this work and sharing it with us all. Thank you, Wendy, for being here. And thank you for sending me a question. And I, I would love to hear more and chat with you more about um, these things in the future. I really appreciate your perspective and uh, your voice as well. So thank you for being here. And let's, let's talk some more, OK? <laughs> thank you, Wendy. Uh, Lisa says, Susanna, I live in this d- duality with the moon at 27 degrees of Gemini. Yes, it is never easy. You see the value and shadows in every angle. It seems impossible at times to choose. Yes, it is. It is a difficult choice, isn't it? Uh, Taria is saying Jupiter and Gemini. We have a lot of Gemini's, <laughs> Gemini folks here. J- talk about multiple choices and wanting to take them. Oh, yeah. So uh, that could be t- totally a different experience than, um, than Susanna's experience where it's almost like she is... I don't know like it's 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 almost her her destiny to grow into the ability to make choices with gemini saturn or her ability to experience uh, a proliferation of different pathways whereas tarja jupiter is just saying okay you like choices here's a million of them <laughs> like you just get more and more choices and you and you feel like you've made a choice well here's some more choices to make right um, and I'm sure that that's a little stressful for taryas very sensitive uh, Piscean placements as well, right, Taria? That could probably be, yeah, exhausting, as you say. Um, I love that we have so many people that have a lot of mercurial placements here. I'm actually finding that my energy is very mercurial. The more that I learn about Hermes in, in the myths, uh, I have Venus in Gemini and Jupiter, Saturn and Mars all in Virgo. And I, my, my, um, ascendant is in, I believe the terms of mercury. My son is in the decan of mercury. I've got a lot of mercury going on. So Hermes it is. All right, let's go over some more things here. Are you doing all right out there? I am enjoying this chat with all of you. I love the interaction. Thank you for, for the comments here. It's keeping me, keeping me going. Um, Okay, so let me look at my notes and see if there's anything I've forgotten. I've said trying to win over a hostile crowd, gaining a following in difficult circumstances. The diamond Eros being associated with charisma, charm, seduction, a celebration. The hoopah, right of the of the four of wands, your hard sovereignty or independence, celebrating that. The bridal ceremony—that's what that card has to do with—is a, a, a consecration of the new king. I in my in my Venus in in Aries three. Uh, video. I said the consummation or the consecration of a marriage, and maybe I think I meant the consummation, which is is lovemaking, but maybe consecrating a marriage is the ceremony involved with it. But I guess it could be similar. Those words are very very similar, but I want to get the the etymology and the the ver, the verb the verbology <laughs> correct. Um, I love words and their meanings, and I try to to not. Uh, do too many malpropisms. I have a similar son ascendant thing as George W. Bush, not not someone i thought of as a as a hero or anything like that. Uh, very different political things, but every once in a while I will do a little Bush thing. Like, you know, they used to make fun of him on Saturday Night Live where he was like, you know, he was just using words completely wrong. And I always catch myself if I'm doing that, you know. anyway. All right, so uh, we've talked about the Four of Wands a little bit. That card is called Perfected Work or Completion. Austin Coppock calls this deck in the Burning Rose. Um, Mars is asking us to make the choice. Collapse will follow if you don't let something go to feed life into what you hold most dear. Jupiter is assisting. This is an important point. Jupiter is assisting in making the parting as smooth as possible. So Jupiter is sitting here in the third 10 degree section of aquarius which is associated with the seven of swords okay you could see someone leaving an and experiencing going off into the unknown and if we had mars here the the leaving might be contentious the leaving might be we might have to battle to leave but with jupiter here it, it's a it's a harmonious parting it, we we will gain honor and merit by make by leaving the past behind right the difficulty right now is in the choice. If like, let's say we had Jupiter, like maybe Tarya has in the third decan of Gemini, it's like the choice, maybe Tarja is good at making choices. You know, maybe she explores and then she's like, okay, I love this. And that brings her honor, right? But um, with, with Jupiter here in the last decan of Aquarius, uh, it is really smoothing the process. It's like It's like a conscious uncoupling. I think we can think of it. So lean on that, Jupiter. Know that if you do leave the past behind, taking the wisdom that you've learned with you and taking the leap and having the courage to leap out into the unknown, that's what's going to bring you honor right now. That's what's going to bring you abundance. You have to leave the past behind. You can't continue doing things the same way that you've always done it or you will get stuck in the birth canal. Okay. Um, What I want to do now... The, uh, one other little point with a with fixed star. Mars at this new moon is going to be on a fixed star called al Alnilam is the belt buckle of Orion. It is one of three stars in the belt of Orion, and it has significations with holding things together, unifying knowledge. Um, I actually have this as my heliacal rising star, so I I was thinking and meditating a lot about how I my my process. And how I might be holding things together and bringing things together. So, if you want to take uh, some inspiration from the way that I do things, and I just described this earlier in the video, but I take a lot of different sources and I consolidate it down into something meaningful. And you can see the interaction in my chart of Venus and Gemini bringing me books, bringing me information, bringing me. Uh, helpful people that, that turn me on to new stuff, bring me teachers that teach me new things. And then they have an interaction with my Virgo planets where they say, is this important? Is this important? If it's not, let's get rid of it. This is what we're going to pass on to the next generation. This is what we're going to return to the earth to leave to the annuals of time and allow to disintegrate. So I think Al Neelam has this kind of energy to it as well is How are we going to bring together all the disparate facts? How are we going to bring together all the different choices for something meaningful to where we can move forward in our life? Okay. Tarya is saying, thinking about this new moon, it is speeding with eyes closed. Too fast. Might be dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, Patience is always the key. I think that we may feel the impulse to do things quickly, especially with it being an Aries new moon. I think that it's okay to, to use your yang energy to make a new start without having expectations about physical uh, manifestations of those right away. I think that what I would suggest, Tario, with this is you can use your speed, you can use your yang energy, but you can use it to like prepare yourself behind the scenes for the flowering that's probably going to start happening in the beginning of May. Okay. Like this April, the rest of April is like, how can you best, you know, use your energy to prepare for, for fructification or fecundity that's going to happen when the soil is really fertile in May, okay? But you got to plant the seed. This is where we're like saying, okay, this is the seed that I want to plant and I got to put it in the ground, okay? And then we got to take care of it when things are, are we're going to see the fruits of that coming in, in, in the, the months ahead. All right, so that's Al Neelam. thought that gave us some. I'm going to unmute myself. <laughs> Jeez, I muted myself. Sorry. Uh, hopefully, are you all still there? Uh, I think I. I it hit some weird button. I'm getting like, okay, I'll share my screen again. Everyone, everyone with me still? Right, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Lisa says, my daughter drove me to work today. She just got her permit. The more nervous she, <laughs> the more nervous she got, the faster she went. Oh, no. Oh, no. As someone with a, a, a 17-year-old daughter uh, myself, uh, that terrifies me. Um, I've been putting off the, uh, the driver's training with her and using the, the pandemic as an excuse, but I won't be able to put that off very much longer. So pray for, for Lisa and I with, uh, teenage and almost adult daughters that are, you know, getting behind the wheel of, a of their own chariots right now, (laughs) hopefully they'll be responsible. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit. I want to move forward. To the the first quarter moon, and then just talk br- touch briefly on the full moon. I will do another live stream on the full moon, but we're getting we're getting to the kind of you know hour long period where we need to kind of start tying a bow on it. And, and I will talk about the I Ching reading that I did for this very shortly. Dimphy is here. Hello, Dimpy. You are on, you're on a different computer. Nice to see you, Dimphy. Thank you for uh, for coming. I think she's also from um, Holland or Belgium. Holland, maybe Holland. We have maybe have two people from. From that area here today so if i go forward to the 20th of april we see that now we have the first quarter moon and this is going to be happening around zero degrees of both leo and Taurus. so as this lunar cycle unfolds we will get to a crisis point right here where we will probably be having to juggle how we are using our resources and the competition that we are trying to that we may find ourselves in as we are moving forward um, into the excuse me the next cycle so this is where these two cards are the five of pentacles for the sun and the five of wands for the moon and in it we see two figures that are very destitute outside of a church in the five of pentacles. And we see a group of people competing in like this mock battle in the five of wands. So I'll show you these two cards. Uh, Jennifer is here. She says, you're doing great. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. So I'm gonna show you these two cards. Uh, And Dimphy is here from Holland. Thank you, Dimphy. Um, So you can see, we've got the sun will be in this area of the Zodiac. Where we may be a little bit worried about how we're going to how the we're going to make money or how we're going to have resources for our project, and we may be also feeling like that we are in competition with others for those resources. I know that as an astrologer, um, our field is becoming more and more competitive. There are more people that are becoming very educated with this, with things like the Nightlight Astrology program. And Chris Brennan's podcast and Austin Coppick's classes, and uh, all sorts of different educational opportunities where people are really starting to become very good at what they do. This knowledge is becoming more commonplace. So, really, as astrologers, we're starting to compete for people's attention. Like, I know for me, I started out listening to uh, Chris Brennan's podcast, and then I started listening to Chris uh, Achutabhava's stuff when he was Adam Ellenboss and, and, and through his transition to Achutabhava. And um, It's hard for me now to absorb all the content that's coming out. And I feel so honored that all of you are here with me today, because even as I speak, there are multiple live streams right now with people talking about the new moon. So thank you for being here with me today. But this may be one of the things we're experiencing at this first quarter, where we're just competing either for resources, we're competing for attention. We are putting on a mask and trying to really figure out what our new identity is, in this within this new cycle. That's another thing that's associated with this card. Austin Coppet calls this one the mask. Okay. So this is something where we are a little bit unsure of who we want to be and how do we stay true to our integrity? This is a Saturn ruled Deccan. I believe this Deccan is Mercury. I think. Yeah. I I'd have to think about that. Yeah, this one's Mercury. So there may be a little bit of doubt uh for for where our resources are coming from remember mercury likes to cast doubt on things it likes to destabilize a little bit fives in general indicate change so this to me says that this first quarter is going to be a point of change uh where we're going to really be feeling like our energy scattered in a lot of different directions this could be planning versus competition vying for attention um worrying about resources who do you really want to be if i share the chart again. Uh, we can see that as we move out of the first quarter phase, we are going to be seeing a full moon in Scorpio. Oh boy, there's our full moon uh, roughly on the 26th of April at a seven degrees of Scorpio and of Taurus. The moon will be in seven at seven Taurus and the, I'm sorry, the sun will be at seven Taurus and the moon will be at seven Scorpio. Okay, so we've got something that's going to be coming to fruition, but the moon is going to be coming to fruit, the fruiting phase in its fall. So that's a ch- this will be a challenging moon, because we're trying to give birth to something, we're trying to tend to our fields, but the moon is coming full in a place that is pr- pretty difficult for it, okay? Uh, this is The sun's going to be conjunct a fixed star called Hamal, which is the head of the ram in the constellation of Aries, so we may be really desiring action and taking action. Um, the first decan of Scorpio has to do with uh, desire as well, but also with loss, with mourning loss. So we see the five of cups coming into play with the full moon here. Um, so think about this for a second. These are the two, the, the two decanic energies we're going to be trying to balance is this, this kind of worry over money, Maybe we have lost something uh, in, in this, over this lunar cycle, but we have to turn our perspective back to, the, to what we still have and find gratitude. That's really the key with this card is releasing our desire for that which is not serving us anymore and really embracing the resources that we do have. So I think this, new, this, this full moon on the 26 talks about maybe not getting too greedy uh, not not trying to uh, win the whole war. If you've won a battle, um, that's this comes up in the I Ching reading that we did for today. So I, I think that um, that's something that will be important. We want to take action, but we may have something that we have to mourn uh, the the old life that we're leaving behind on some level as well. Okay, and there's all sorts of things going on in the collective right now that are real challenging that may be bringing us some obstacles as well. I know in my home state of Michigan in the United States, we're having a a real difficult time with COVID right now. We have an explosion of COVID numbers and um, it's it's also very difficult right now to get to schedule appointments for vaccinations and things like that. I've been trying to do that for quite some time and and appointments are full and uh, (laughs) I'm going to keep trying because I feel like that's part of what I can do to to help with this, but um, be careful out there. I think the other thing to, to keep in mind is that we're still under extraordinary circumstances right now, and when you are trying to do something within these extraordinary times, there may be adjustments that you have to make to your vision. That you're not going to be able to just do everything the way that you've always done it. So if something comes up where you have to make an adjustment because of COVID or because of, you know, the world just not working the same way that it always has. I think keep that in mind at this full moon and 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 fall back onto your patience. Fall back onto your patience. Couple comments. We have uh, some good conversations going on. Lisa says, "Susanna, my daughter is an airy sun in the tenth. Look before you leave." <laughs> yeah, oh God. I'm sorry, Lisa. I have a Capricorn daughter, so at least she has a little bit of a, you know, Saturnian stuff to her, but she's a Leo ascendant, so she's kind of does her own thing anyway um Susanna, lisa says Susanna, we should talk yeah you should talk because i think you'd have a lot of things to talk about um violet says mystic symbolism explained whales on youtube yeah i should check that out um maybe you could put a, a link to it in the chat box so i can i can see a link to that video i would love to learn more about the whale symbolism i will say that the the, the cetus. The whale in, in, the, in the, the sky that we were talking about with Baiton Kytos is not the whales that we experience as like these, these you know peaceful, placid creatures. That whale was a monster that was trying to swallow us up and trying to eat us. So consider that. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't lean upon our more modern uh, understanding of whales, Because I do think that a lot of the sea monster type of significations with that was because we didn't really know a lot about these creatures and we didn't know that they were gentle. Um, So maybe that's something to think about that, that whales actually are intelligent, peaceful. And because we didn't have an awareness of, of their level of intelligence, we just thought of them as these giant things to be afraid of. And maybe that's one thing that we need to think about when we're, dealing with our own belly of the whale experience is that maybe we are perceiving something as a threat that isn't maybe it's just this, the fear of the unknown that we have to, to, to get in touch with. Right. All right. So let's move forward. I'm going to go back to the new moon here and put it on the screen. And then let's talk uh, I Ching and, and wrap a bow on this wrap a bow tie a bow. So I am drawing the component trigrams and the hexagram for hexagram number nine. How many times have we gotten either five or number nine recently? So this is number nine, which is uh, wind and wood. This is, it roughly translates to wind or to wood, which, which speaks to flexibility. Okay, it speaks to like, you know, examining a lot of different perspectives, touching everything, the wind touches everything, it touches all parts of the landscape, it's flowing and and it is flexible above heaven. Heaven is kind of like this inspirational quality that is rising, okay, this rising inspiration. Um, It's like that divine spark, and this is bringing us to hexagram number nine. Now, there are two changing lines at the top. In the very uh, top portion here and that creates earth in the top on top of heaven again so here's a really interesting way of thinking about this I Ching when you reverse these two and you put heaven in the bottom And earth, like the earth will sink to the bottom and heaven will rise up and there's no interaction between them. And that's, that's one of the hexagrams I believe for obstruction or standstill. There's no interaction between inspiration and form, but here we have heaven rising through the earth. Okay. So this is where inspiration is being infused into form and we get the hexagram number 11, which translates roughly to peace, harmony, prosperity, union of the high and the low okay, harmonious interaction, abundance, flow. Whereas number nine speaks to, uh, this is called the taming of the small. Uh, it also is related to uh, uh, restraint is another word for it. Taming, of the, taming power of the small, taking care of the little things, temporary setbacks, uh, dense clouds, but no rain that that's the thing that sticks out the most for me. So think about the time before a storm where you can feel all the elements coming together. you see the barometric pressures changed. the clouds have started to come together. You can feel the weight of the rain in the air, but there's this anticipation quality, and that's what we've got with this new moon as we are anticipating. The storm, right? The action, the the rain that's gonna that's going to uh, fertilize these fields and allow us to have this new growth period. Okay, this is this is a time where we are accumulating power. All right, behind the scenes though, because remember, Venus and Mercury are still under the beams in the lying hidden phase. So Hillary Barrett asks us these questions: What small thing can I work on today? how can I cultivate a better terrain, quote unquote, behind the scenes? Okay. I'm at That's emphasis me. How can you cultivate your, your terrain behind the scenes? Okay. Uh, Dimphy says you're so spot on. It is nearly scary. The other day with the fixed, with this, with this fixed star and Vivian Robeson, it has is becoming true preparing for difficult times since somebody dear fell terminally ill. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dimphy. I've had friends right now and, parents of friends that are becoming ill um we are not out of the woods with this situation yet by any stretch of the imagination and a lot of people in america and in my area in particular are just going about their business like it's over and it's i have to say it's making me very very uncomfortable it's creating a lot of anxiety for for me and my family who have been extraordinarily disciplined over the last year and a half like we've basically been sheltering in place for uh, the last 14 months. And um, it's very frustrating. I would say I'm getting to a point of, and I, I'm sorry to rant a little bit, but I'm getting very frustrated that there isn't the same commitment to communal good that that in my country, that there is this such this uh, commitment to personal individual freedom that they're completely willing to uh, endanger other people's lives. And it, it really bothers me. Um, That doesn't mean we should completely give up all of our individuality, doesn't mean that we should give up our own, uh, you know, ability to take individual action and completely subsume into a collective, it just means that there's a balance. And this is a time where if temporarily you gave up some of your self directed desires and wants, you'd actually be allowing everybody to have a better time and I, and I'm sorry to be so emotional about that but it's really heartbreaking when you see people that you care about still getting sick, dying. Uh, I have a friend, a a really good musician friend whose mom just fell ill and she is not doing very well right now. And he is in a tough spot. And, um, he's been very disciplined. He's a teacher and was forced to, he, he was a teacher in a district that, um, was very carte blanche about, COVID and was requiring all of the teachers to come in. He's been fighting on the front lines of, of this for a long period of time. And he's been so disciplined and, and his mom just as was going to his mom was going to church uh, and, and being dishonest about it with um, with him and with his family. And man, what a, what a tough spot we've been put into as a community. Um, So again, If you're trying to make a new start, I'll bring this around back to the positive. If you're trying to make a new start right now, it's okay to be patient. We're going through really difficult stuff right now. You don't have to feel that you are any less than or that you're failing because everything isn't moving forward at 100 miles an hour. We're in the middle of a global pandemic still. You're doing great if you are just you know, waking up and like, tackling your day and keeping your mental health together, if you're still staying centered day to day, if you're having the discipline to care about your community enough to to maybe make some sacrifices for the common good, that is a heroic act right now. And I just wanted to, man, I'm getting fired up about this because I think it's so important that you hear that. That, that is a heroic act that you are doing, just, just getting up in the, these times. And if you're still trying to like better yourself and do some big project, oh, my God, that's amazing. That is amazing that you are still motivated to be able to do that within such difficult circumstances. If the best that you can do today is to just be there for someone in your family that is either ill or having a difficult time, that's where you put that energy. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it's just, we expect a lot out of people, you know, right now. Expecting everyone to just be doing everything like, uh, you know, like everything's normal. And I, uh, it's so weird. It's so weird to me. Our value systems are so skewed sometimes. I just can't understand the, the completely selfish motivations of some people. And it's not Everybody. I know a lot of people who have been really having a heroic level of discipline that have been on the front lines. My partner works for a farmer's market. She has to put her health and security on the line every single Thursday that she goes out there and is providing food for people. You know, she has to, uh, you know, meet with the public and go in double masked and try to like make sure that she's providing sustenance for people in need that she's providing stuff for people that are on like, you know, food stamps and things like that, that they're using those resources to get food that they need because they lost their job and things like that. Those people are heroes. Like the hospitals in Michigan right now are full, full. This is what my friend told me. He's like, look, your my mom is not going to the hospital right now because they're telling her, you might as well not even bother coming because all of our beds are full. So again, I will, we'll turn this around, but I want to just say thank you so much for all of you that are either going on the front lines like food and essential workers or healthcare workers. Thank you so much to all of you that have made sacrifices for not going on a vacation, for, you know, not going out and and doing whatever you want without a mask for, you know, staying home. Thank you so much for that, because it means so much that you're doing that. It does. And you should be acknowledged for that. And I think it's the, honestly, it, it feels like the least that we can do, but it's not what everybody does. And it really takes a lot of discipline, a lot of heart, and a lot of courage to do that. So thank you. All right. So here's some changing lines on this. Sorry for that digression, but it's an elephant in the room right now. It is a huge elephant in the room. I, I, you know, it it would be uh, irresponsible for me to be like, hey, this new moon, just go out and do everything that you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, just, just, just go be you and not acknowledge that we're still in the middle of one of the most difficult periods of human history right now you know, yeah, do you, yeah, establish your new individual territory, but don't, don't forget for one second that you're part of a human community. Okay. Don't forget for one second that your discipline is still needed right now. And if we want to get through this alive, we just have to care about one another. You know, we have to take care of each other. So that's, that's, that's my motivation for saying that. Um, line number five says there is truth in confidence as a bond. You are rich in your neighbor. Okay. Yeah, that, that really is true. It's talking about cooperative and loyal relationships. You can increase your resources mutually using sincerity and honesty. And hopefully, by me expressing my my viewpoint honestly here, I'm appreciating all of you as a community and knowing that my choices is not just for me, it's for you as, as a community to hopefully. Keep everyone safe. You know, I, I wear my mask every single day, even if I just go for a walk around the block because it's, it's so important to me that it, it would be tragic if not only if I got sick or got my family sick, but if I made someone else sick, I could not live with that, you know? So reach out to your neighbors, you know? Think about the community that you are in when you're trying to make this new start. Care for them. Line number six says the rain comes now is a time to cultivate patience and faith. Let the crops grow, attend to your fields, but rest and regroup. So I think through this, throughout this lunar cycle, we need to not just take our own individual initiation, you know, or initiative. We need to join with people to make a new start. We need to gather a following. We need to gather the people that are on board with our vision and with a unified vision, not just our vision, and cooperatively create mutual, mutually beneficial relationships, and that will help to fertilize these fields. That will help to, to bring the rain that needs to come to these fields to help this, this new society, this new fair, more fair society where we are contributing to the whole. It will help, help it to grow. This, this line talks about you've won the battle, but don't push your luck. Don't go after the whole war. Okay, this was something I talked about earlier in the show was, you know, we may have really, you know, won the gift of, of self-respect, but you don't, have to, you don't have to dominate every part of your life. Okay, like you can, you can work with people. You don't have to, to, you know, do everything yourself. Okay. Now, Eleven asks this. It says, how can you work with this extraordinary, extraordinary potential? Okay, we're talking about peace, harmony, prosperity, the union of high and low, harmonious interaction, flow. How can you channel the flow of energy to create harmony? How can you follow the natural cycles with gratitude and let your blessings flow, right? This is all about becoming open and using inspiration to create and using divine inspiration, creating from your higher self, not from your lower, more base self. What can you create that is going to serve the whole? You will get all the support in the world if what you are doing benefits the whole. You may be left out in the cold if what you're doing only benefits you. Like what I'm doing on this channel here, What I buy all these books, I do these videos. I don't make a lot of money doing this. Not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I care about this information getting out into the world. That's what's important to me. And eventually I have faith that the the universe and the divine will provide because I am trying to contribute something that has value from for the long term. Does that make sense? And I don't, I don't, I can't tell you all. I can't tell all of the people that are here are such loyal wonderful supporters. I really appreciate all of you here. I can't tell you how many uh, opportunities that have, and I'm not trying to brag here. I'm just saying, I'm saying a lot of people have come to me with opportunities that I had to think about. Is that in alignment with my vision? Okay. That's, is that in alignment with my goal of serving my community or is it self-serving? And I've had to say no. Over the last few months, a number of times, because I knew that that would just it would take away from the quality of the work that I do and the quality of my interaction with my even if it's just this smaller community here. And I refuse to do that. And I refuse to do that as a musician as well. I had, I, you know, I don't know if you all know this, but I was asked to be on uh, uh, The Voice. <laughs> like, I don't, you remember The Voice, that like American Idol type TV show? they actually recruit people. They it, It's it's all like fabricated. And they were like, hey, we like what you do. Do you want to come try out for The Voice? And I was like, oh man, I wrestled with it. But I thought about it and the opportunity would would have had meant that I had to leave my teaching job at the university where I was teaching songwriting and music and guitar for six weeks, basically losing my job, losing all my guitar students. I'd have to pay to go out there. And then it was just like a, just a, I don't know. It's a small, you know, I had friends that went on there and they had a little bump in their profile and then life went back to normal. And I was just like, you know what? That's just not, that's not what what I want. And, um, I think that again, what that says to me is that the only approval that you need, and I think this is really the way to tie a bow on this new moon in Aries. The only approval that you need is the one that comes from within doesn't mean that you don't care about your community and that you don't do things that are in their interest as well but you don't you don't do things for other people's approval you have one person that you ultimately have to answer to as to whether you are doing a good job or not and that's you and that's the divine that's god that's the collective whatever you want to call it the collective will tell you if your motivations are not serving the collective But if you're listening, just other people's opinions of that, like, I think it's, again, there's equilibrium. You you can't ignore when someone has a legitimate feedback for you. Cause sometimes we are a little bit in the dark and in our ignorance and we do need a course correction from people we trust, but really. I hope that you will understand who you're getting that feedback from. If it's someone that is just like an acquaintance that, you know, is like has their own motivations kick that to the curb and say whatever that doesn't that's not important to me at all if it's a good friend that is stuck by you for decades and that you've been able to trust their advice for years yeah you might want to take their perspective into consideration and not ignore them okay so again equilibrium is the key uh dimphy says since i heard you were at cat's diamond Lecture, I'm assuming. Yeah. I just knew that you are sincere. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Denphy. That is one thing that I hope that comes across in everything that I do. Um, integrity and sincerity. Uh, sometimes I have to take a risk, to be honest. I'm a third deck in Leo ascendant, and that if you look at the card associated with that, the, the seven of, of wands, it's all about defending your integrity and and kind of battling off. Things that could threaten your ability to be true and sincere and honest, and um, it's taken a lot of courage over my life. I was not somebody who uh, was it, it, that didn't come easy to me in my younger years. I've had to I've had to cultivate that over time. Um, I, I was a people pleaser for a very long time, and I was really afraid to make people upset. Even to the point where I, I would always try to say something, you know, less true I guess to please the most amount of people and I just can't do that I I can't I can't do that anymore I can try to be I could try to have the perspective of understanding people's and where they're coming from and appreciating their perspective but I don't have to water down my message like I like I just did to if if it because it might upset somebody I've had people that have had a lot of pushback on my channel because of my take on the pandemic and at this point I don't I don't care. Uh, I believe what I believe. I believe I would rather err on the side of protecting my community and err on the side of not having people in my life get sick than I would erring on the side of uh, my personal freedom and doing what I want because there might be this big conspiracy theory. (laughs) You know, I mean, thumbs down, err on the side of caring about people. Okay. Susanna says, Spencer really put, put, puts his heart in on his work. I'm doing that today. I'm getting really emotional today. Maybe this is the Aries new moon. Uh, actually, the moon's in Pisces as I record this. So you're getting Spencer unfiltered today. <laughs> like you're getting the very the very depth of my dream and belief. And, and I'm not trying to alienate people if you have a different belief than me. I really am not. I just, uh, again... I'm just stating where I'm coming from, and if you're coming from a different position, that's fine. Just I think that the key with this is don't put other people in danger with your position. If your position takes advantage of other people or puts other people in risk at risk, it's not a very healthy perspective. Um, one of the things I've been looking at is, uh, you know, I've been talking about economics and rivalrous, non-rivalrous, anti-rivalrous goods. And it's talking about like shared spaces that we have being uh, rivalrous goods where uh, we have the the kind of the myth of the commons where we think that there is unlimited resources when it comes to like a park that everyone can use. But the more people that use it, it does lower its value because it it, it sort of gets used up. Like we have too many people in one space, the grass doesn't grow anymore, things like that. And I think that my point with that is that um, we do have these shared experiences that we do have to keep the whole in mind when we are sharing, uh, you know, you know, a community. We've got this myth in America in particular that we have this kind of, um, I I, I guess it's, I'm trying to figure this out. And it's like cowboy mentality. This, this, this really uh, intense individualism where it's almost like it's an insult to our pride if we have to help one another or we need help. And I just hope if, I I know that this is probably one reason I appeal more to some international people because I don't think that it's that intense in in Europe. I think in Europe, you've been forced to have to deal with one another because you live next to one another. (laughs) There's not as much space. And I think we're so spread out in America that we, we aren't forced to have to like care about one another as much. And I hope that I can offer a perspective of hopefully shifting the mindset especially in my own country of of learning to care for one another because we can't escape one another anymore in this country we're so getting so populated that there is nowhere to go to you know I tried that once I tried to go off into the wilderness and and you know buy a farm and I don't know if you all know this but I tried to buy a farm a few years ago um, but it ended up being downstream from a toxic waste site that was flowing into the the, the well water. And that really had a huge uh, effect on me. I'd, I'd put an offer in on the farm. It was a five acre farm. I'd gotten two or three weeks away from closing on the place. And we found uh, that there was waste in the water and that there was the people that owned the home before had one of them had died of cancer and we couldn't go through with the sale. And that really showed me that I can't my disappointment with humanity, I can't go off into the wilderness and escape it. There's nowhere to go. We share this planet with one another. It doesn't matter if I want to go escape into the wilderness. You know, it doesn't matter. Like I need to like, we, are, we share this earth and we have to take care of one another or we aren't going to be able to, to function as a community. All right. I think that that is what uh, we have for today. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thank you for listening to my both my rants and my pleas for, for um, taking care of your community. I know that some of you have different opinions when it comes to things like vaccines and things of th- that nature. And um, I don't. Have the strength to argue with you. I just implore all of you to to think about your community, and to take action for the good of the whole, and for the good of uh, your community. And if you can do that, the right choices will will, I think, become apparent to you. And at this new moon, don't try to rush the process. Don't try to do too much. Uh, you know, band together with your community and create something that is mutually prosperous with one another. I want to say thank you so much for everyone that has been here today. Thank you for everyone that has participated in the chat. Uh, You all are an awesome community. I'm so very grateful for all of you being here today. I know you have many choices of how you can consume your content, and uh, it's an honor that you're here with me today and that you are going on this journey with me. And uh, if you want to support what I'm doing here, the first easiest thing you can do is hit the like button that helps the algorithm get this material out to more people. Uh, you can also make sure you're subscribed to the channel. And if you wanna make a donation to the work that I do, if you wanna help me to you know, <laughs> fund my, my book habit so that I can consolidate this information for you and I can keep the lights on, you can make a donation at buymeacoffee.com. Uh, I really like that donation model. It helps me to keep my, my material uh, free from paywalls. And if you have more to give, you are helping to buy this material and keep it free for the people that are less fortunate. So hopefully that is creating equilibrium. So thank you, everyone who has donated. And I appreciate anyone who feels compelled or feels uh, inspired to, to, to give on that level. So thank you so much. So I think that's what I have for you today. Um, I am going to, I think, shut this thing down now. Uh, Thank you, everyone who has has commented in the chat. Thank you, everyone that has participated. um, And uh, I appreciate all of you. And we will see you the next time. Take it easy, everyone. All right. Be kind to one another. We got Mars and Neptune going on today. We might get a little confused, as Lisa is pointing out. Okay. Um, You might lose a little energy, but be kind to one another. I think that we can, my final thought. We can agree to disagree on certain things. Um, we can agree to disagree on uh, our taste and things like that. But keep in mind that there are some things that we share, that the choices that we make do have an effect on other people. So keep that in mind uh, as you move forward today. So let's try to get come to a consensus on the things that do have an effect on each other and agree to disagree gracefully on the things that it really doesn't matter if we, if we don't agree completely on that. Okay. Thank you, Dimphy. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you, Taria. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you, everyone who has been here today. Uh, everybody, Violet, um, all of you, I really appreciate it that you have been here and participating today. Uh, we will see you the next time, okay? Take it easy. Peace.